that's where we decided to write a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And, you know, we found 13 golden pearls that are deep down in every one of us. Golden pearls that really make a difference in people's lives. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. Welcome to the show. If you've not been here before, this is your first time. Welcome. It's great to have you here, and I'm hoping that you have a pen and a piece of paper because today I'm on the line with the wonderful Dr. Alan Stephen Leiker. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you for having me, Rick. It's really my delight to be here. Yes, no, I've been looking through your bio as per our discussion prior to the call, and my goodness, do you have a story to tell? And uh, before we jump into that part of the call, it's customary for us to spend a bit of time learning a little bit about you. I'm wondering if we, you and I just talked about the snowfall that you just had. So where is that all happening? You know, I'm in a, a place called Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I'm not sure if you know where that is. It's a bit of the North Country. And we were the former home of one of the greatest hockey players of all time, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, who doesn't know Wayne Gretzky? My goodness. Wow. Yeah. What a wonderful location. Are you uh, like a hot weather person or do you prefer the cold? You know, it, it's all doable. And I think it's it's nice to have the seasons. And that's what we definitely have here in the North Country. Well, Dr. Leica, I'd just like to share with the audience that you are an award-winning media personality. You're a number one best-selling author. You have uh, more than 17 books that you've either authored yourself or helped co-author, and you're a sought-after speaker. And we're going to be talking about your book, The Secret to Living a Fantastic Life, and some of the steps you can take that will inspire you to be your very best. Now, I know that there's a, a huge backstory to this, and it caught my attention. And uh, I wonder, before we just jump into that, uh, is where you're living now the place you've always lived? It's where I have lived and, and basically have made my career. Um, and, and this is my home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is there, uh, what, uh, I guess, dominant landmarks would people maybe recognize that are not familiar with? You know, we are just about us, uh, in our backyard of the Rocky Mountains. So we have the Rocky Mountains not too far away from us. We are in the beautiful river valley of the North Saskatchewan River. Oh, yes. And uh, we also have the world's second biggest fringe in the world oh. uh, during times when COVID isn't on. Yes, of course. Now, um, do you go to these events? Do you enjoy them? I think it's great to have the festivals in, in, in our hometown. And, you know, the, of course, the Edinburgh Fringe is the biggest fringe, but ours is the second biggest fringe on the face of the earth. Yes, we certainly have a large one here in South Australia, and it's uh, world-renowned just as is yours. And, you know, they're just one of those moments in time, aren't they, where you can just get away from, you know, life, as it were, and just escape. And what, what, what are some of the events that you actually like to be a part of and watch? You know, we have a wonderful folks festival. We have a wonderful time. And in, in our area, we have the Great Lake Districts of, of the Northern Woods, I call them. Yep. And uh, my wife and I spend a lot of time during the summer at our summer cabin, which is on the lake. Yes, that's excellent. I love it. So do you, uh, are you a, a music lover? I love music. Uh, I, I guess I tend towards bluegrass and, and that sort of thing. That's my favorite genre, uh, you know. A few years ago, I was in uh, in your 
your uh, state of Australia. Yes, yes. I went to your country and Western Hall of Fame there. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, well, look, we've got some great artists here. That's for sure and certain. Now, I, I wonder, um, do you, you, you've talked about your location. Do you like hobbies? Do you have sports? Do you have pets? What's your thing? You know, our biggest sports are to watch sports and our biggest sport is hockey. Hockey is a great sport for us and uh, it's the season where we have this. However, we just had uh, two qualifying rounds for FIFA in Edmonton. And oh, yes. We were able to win both of those rounds. So Edmonton might be in the World Cup next year. Yes, fantastic news. Now, do you like to keep busy? Do you uh, do you like walking or what's your thing? Do you, do you have anything you like know, that? I, I tried to keep busy. I run my own podcast called How to Live a Fantastic Life Podcast. So I'm I'm constantly doing things like that to bring out new and better things for people and show people a better way to live. Yeah, these are all sort of precursor to the main event of today's call. And it's really good for us to talk about these things, these parts of your life, because it gives us a bit of a context about you. Um, and on that, what sort of food do you like? Sorry? What sort of foods do you like? Oh, I, I love all sorts of foods. Seafood? I see food and eat it. You know, it's it's great to uh, love all sorts of foods. Uh, I don't think I have any favorite. I, I love all foods in general. <laughs> That's wonderful. Now, I um I like to go back in time if we could and, and think about, um you know, where you started out and um, parts of your life as you were growing up. What is one positive thing, one memorable thing that you could share with about your childhood? You know, I grew up in, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the home of the Calgary Stampede. And uh, that was my background. I guess when I was a boy, I wanted to be a cowboy when I grew up. <laughs> Don't we all? I think my sons are doing that right now, in fact. Uh, <laughs> did you, uh, did you yeah. ever like to watch movies, cowboy movies? You know, it was it was the sort of thing that you always did. There was Gene Autry and uh, Roy Rogers and the Sons of the Pioneers and something that you watched regularly. Uh, it was something that was part of the genre back then. Mm -hmm. Now, I know when I was growing up that I always had somebody to look to and uh, pretty much they, they were my mentors, my role models. Did you have somebody like that in your life? You know, I think I was lucky along the way that I had several role models. When I went through school, I had some great teachers that encouraged me to take more. When I went into medicine, I had some great teachers that taught me how to be a great dermatologist. So I was very fortunate to learn some, from some great talented people along the way. It was easy to grow stepping on the shoulders of giants. Yes, absolutely. Now, I, I'd like if we could for uh, to give some context about your professional background, because I think this is a good segue into the core of the call, um, about your um, specialty background. Could you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, I, I went through and I went through medical school. After medical school, I decided that I wanted to take special training in, the, in dermatology. Dermatology was something that uh, was an area that I really liked when I was a medical student. And so I decided to get some of the best training in it. And uh, the training I took was at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis, Minnesota, yep. which was one of the newer, better programs in that. 
They taught people how to use lasers. They taught people how to use many of the newer cosmetic techniques that were not available at that time. When I started in 79 to 83, new things were being invented. You know, people have always heard about Botox now. Well, that was just invented then. Oh. And so I was one of the first that just started using it. Uh, we started using things like fillers to help plump up people's faces in certain areas as mm -hmm. people's faces started to atrophy. And, and that was all new back then. And all the first lasers that were being used to correct wrinkles, to correct brown spots, and to correct scars had just been developed. So all this was something that I brought into my practice as I was uh, doing my skills. So I was one of the forerunners in all these exciting techniques that were coming out. Yeah, pioneer, as it were. Would that be fair? I, I was very much a pioneer. I was also a pioneer in, in a new technique called tumescent liposuction. Mm -hmm. uh, liposuction in the old days used to be done under general anesthesia, which was good and bad and then it was somewhat dangerous to do but newer techniques were invented by a doctor by the name of jeffrey klein and patrick lillis and so that we could do them under local anesthesia mm -hmm. which made things much much safer for the patient so patients would be able to walk in and walk out after there wasn't the downtime that was associated with the other things and the inherent risk because in the old days, the person needed blood transfusions. They needed to be able to stay in the hospital, I, even in the intensive care units when, when all this was being done. Talking to a doctor would be one of the best sources of uh, helping to understand the concept of risk and uh, risk aversion and things like that, taking a chance. What do you, what's your point of view on risk? And is it an inherent part of our lives that we should embrace or should we fear it? No, I think that with modern techniques, there really is not a lot of risk with things. Mm. You know, everything in life has risks, and, and I don't want to discount the risks, but the answer is with these things, with the proper training, with the proper things, a person coming to a doctor in this day and age is much less risky than it ever was. It really is truly a, a safer technique and, and it's, it's a better way of doing things. And all of this has come out over time. Uh, you know, our lasers have gotten a lot more, a lot safer than they used to be. Mm. Uh, the, the heat transfer from a laser to the skin is much more gated and, and much better. Yeah. So things are much easier for patients. The downtime after surgical procedures are much, much less and, and much, much less risky for patients. You seem to me to um, always uh, be on the lookout for the new technology, the advancements and educating yourself. Is that important for you? I think for everybody doing, uh, getting involved in any procedures, they need to educate themselves a bit. And they also need to educate themselves about doctors and who's doing the procedures. Mm. They really need to know a little bit about about what a doctor's training is and, and how they they bring it in. I, I think it's very important for patients to, to be aware of the new advances that come out because they are, are, you know, advances keep on going on in the medical sphere. And it's something that, you know, even for ourselves in the last couple of years, mm. you know, COVID has only been here for two years, yet we have a vaccine 
that has made the risks of it much much lesser than it was just mm. a few years ago mm-hmm. so we we are very fortunate to live in a day and age where where new advances come in and they come in very rapidly and people can actually take advantage of them yeah that's great feedback thank you so very much now are you an early riser do you do you have a, a routine that you follow each day and if you do could you, you know i it? like to get up fairly early i think it's always a you know a six o'clock day for me mm-hmm. and then i usually like to get and and do some stretching do some exercises mm-hmm. and then get on to my day uh, i like to spend a bit of time just thinking about what i'm going to do and 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 getting organized for the day now somebody of your stature and your professional background you've made a a monumental shift away from your profession um, because of an event. I'm wondering if we could, I guess, segue into this and if you could share your story because you're certainly going to be able to share it better than I can. (laughs) You know, back back in 2003, I was walking with my dear wife at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, Rick. And my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? You know, for once in my life, life, Rick, I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. <laughs> it was a bit of a fight. I said, what do you mean, dear? I don't think I've done anything. She said, listen to your foot. Oh. Said, what, what do you mean, listen to your foot? She said, listen to it. Well, my right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. It was flapping on the pavement with each step I was taking. Oh, goodness. You know, your brain is designed to it to allow your feet to walk properly so that when you're walking, one foot walks after the other. It does it automatically. Yeah. That's what our brain is designed to do. But somehow my brain was malfunctioning or my body was malfunctioning and my foot was flapping on the pavement. She said, did you have a stroke? <laughs> I said, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. If I had a stroke right now, I'd probably be lying on the pavement muttering something unintelligible. Oh, yes. Well, when you get back, you better get this checked out. Yeah. Well, Rick, when your significant other tells you to get something checked out, what do you do? Well, you don't. As a male, I guess I don't. Do you put it off? I think if you're smart, you get it checked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what's going to come next. If yes, you yes. So, so when I got back to Edmonton, I went and saw dozens of doctors. And by the end of my journey, I probably saw hundreds of doctors. Wow. You know, they did every test known to man. They did CAT scans. They did brain scans. They did scan scans. Scan scans. <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, you know what they found, Rick? What? They found absolutely nothing. Wow. The, the doctors were flabbergasted. They, they thought I had a brain tumor or maybe a slip disc or something, mm-hmm. but they really couldn't find anything wrong. And you know what a doctor does when he can't find anything wrong? I'd hate to think. He, he does more tests uh-huh. and more tests <laughs> and more tests. So I did have cats. I had more things done. I had uh, bone marrow uh, samples. I had LPs. I had uh, EMGs. You I had, name it. You name it. And I think they invented some tests just, to, <laughs> just for you. <laughs> you know. but, but, you know, at the end of it, they still showed absolutely nothing. So they sent me to a world-leading neurologist 
A neurologist is the brain guy. Mm. He's the guy that's supposed to have all the answers to all these complex pictures. So they sent me to one of the best. And I walked in and I said, hi. He said, hi, you better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I have a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, goodness. Get your affairs in order. In six months, you're going to be dead. What? I was taken aback, Rick. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. Oh, no. I said, really? On autopsy? I said, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. <laughs> but you know, Rick, when you go through something like this, you go through the stages of death and dying mm. that Elizabeth Cooper Ross wrote in her book on death and dying. Mm. You know, the first phase that most people go through is anger. Mm -hmm. Because of course you're angry. You're angry at the world. You're angry at the diagnosis. You're angry at everything. The only good thing about anger is it motivates you and drives you. It really pushes you, but yeah. anger is not a very pleasant emotion. And I was angry. I could have bit the head off nails. You go through bargaining, Rick. You go through, oh, God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't yeah. let this happen. Yeah. But, you know, I thought God wasn't listening to them. Uh, and, you know, he certainly didn't seem to be listening, especially with all the stuff that was going on with me. Mm. You go through uh, denial. Now, denial, I don't mean the river in Egypt, right? <laughs> I mean denial. Oh, I understand. You, know, you deny what's going on. Yeah. And you literally say, you know, I don't have ALS. I you don't must have be wrong. Yeah. But you know, I have a, I had a dropped right foot. And through all this, my right arm started to become misbehaving as well. And I wasn't able to hold my surgical instruments like I could do. And I couldn't do my surgeries like I could do. But, you know, I was a talented doctor, so I decided and I learned how to do things with my left hand. And my left hand actually became better than my right hand. Oh, wow. You know, as a surgeon, you have to tie knots with, in your hands. So I was able to tie knots with one hand, my left hand. You know, I could be flexible like I could never be any other way. Yeah. And that was wonderful. And I trained my staff to help me, Rick, to help me in my surgeries so that they could cut the knots, so that they could do things that I didn't need to. So they were able to be like my right and left arm throughout this. And I was able to train them to do some wonderful, amazing things. And they were wonderful people that, that could do these things. And that's another thing your, your listeners should learn is that in your businesses, you should have people that help you on your right and left hands so that you can do things really, really well. But the hardest thing that I went through was depression. And yeah. Depression is one of the worst, Rick. That's where you stay up at night staring at the ceiling because you can't sleep. You know, you can't eat. You're, everything is black. Everything is gloomy. And, and you wake up in the morning and you stare at the ceiling and you say, why should I really do anything? It's it's a dark, dark days. Rick, have you ever been depressed? Yes, I have. Yep, there's been some pretty dark days here, and I can I attest to what you're saying, absolutely. Yeah, you know, and and I got so depressed, I even think a thought about killing myself. Mm. You know, it was one that dark, dark time, and I I went to my wife and I said, dear, 
you know, what do I have? She said, you know, dear, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart. You can figure it out. I said, I've seen hundreds of doctors. She said, no problem. You're smarter than those doctors. You've proved that in your life. You've proved that with all the wonderful things you've done. I think you can figure it out. Well, Rick, back in 2003, there was a start of something new that was invented. It was called the internet. You ever hear of that piece? Oh, yes. <laughs> just slightly. <laughs> it's funny. You know, that was just the beginning of the 2000s that we started getting into this thing. Yep. And now it's taken over the world, you know. Mm -hmm. Without the internet, we can't do very much now. But that's when it started, mm. you know. But back then, we had dial-on connections. You literally had to phone up an, another courier and your phone would go on a, on a carrier and it'd go, yes, I recall. <laughs> for about 15 minutes before it connected. Yes. And then finally you get to the other side. And back then it was so primitive. Our computers had so little information. You had to use DOS to speak and, and things <laughs> like that. You used to have to use these little primitive languages that we no longer use. And now look at us. And thank goodness I had friends that were nerds that could help me along. <laughs> but even then, our, our internet was like the world's best resource, but the world's worst resource. Hmm. It was like the best resource, but at the same time, it was full of garbage cans. Yep. And even today, we have the same problem. You oh, don't yeah. know the good resources from the bad resources out there. So it's difficult for people to maneuver this beast. But now we have Dr. Google. Now we have Dr. Yahoo. And we have people that actually, search engines that actually give us some better things than back then. Mm. But you know, back then, I, I had my friends look around and they found a doctor by the name of uh, Dr. Martz, Dr. Yep. David Martz in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Now, David was an amazing man, but he had a story similar like mine, but he got worse much more rapidly than I did. You know, David was on his deathbed. And so doctors were coming around the world to say goodbye to him. Mm. And a doctor came up from Texas and looked at David and said, David, I don't think you have ALS. I don't think you have Lou Gehrig's disease. What I think you have is I think you have uh, chronic Lyme's disease. Oh. I think you were bitten by a tick. And it's mimicking this disease called ALS. Oh. David whispered, because that's all he could do at the time. He said, well, what do I need to do? The doctor from Texas said to David, said, don't worry. He said, I'm going to start you on antibiotics. And if I'm right, you're going to get markedly better. And you know, a miracle happened, Rick. Uh, David was like Lazarus. He arose from the dead. Amazing. And in two weeks, he was back to normal. Oh, that's good news. Excellent news. So I knew I had to get in touch with David. Mm. And so I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I got in touch with them at the Methodist Hospital. Yeah. And we talked for hours. And at the end of it, David said, can you come down and see me? I said, when? He said, what about right now? Well, I said, David, it's my Thanksgiving in Canada. My <laughs> wife's invited 50 people over here. Oh, no. <laughs> 
he said, aren't there any planes in Canada? Get your ass down, please. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he wasn't going to let me off that easily. So I went and I apologized to my wife. And I said, why? I'm sorry, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. She said, where are you going this time? She said, you always seem to be away. You always seem to be teaching people, educating them. She said, where are you going? She said, I said, well, this time I'm not going for any other reason than to help myself. I said, there's a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, that claims he can help me. My wife said, oh, don't worry about the 50 people. She said, I'll take care of them. She <laughs> said, I'll, she said, what are you waiting for? Let's get your bank pack. I'll drive you to the airport. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful individual to have in your life. So I got on a plane from Edmonton to Denver. It was two and a half hours long. It was mm -hmm. just wonderful. And then I got on a little rinky-dink puddle jumper from Denver to Colorado Springs. Rick, <laughs> have you ever been on a rinky-dink puddle jumper? No. Thankfully. <laughs> They're little small planes. They don't have more than six or eight seats. And what happens with them is they are at the, the mercy of the forces around them. Because at the end of the day, the air comes off the desert in Colorado Springs. And what yep. happens is this causes eddies, which causes turbulence. Yep. So the plane goes through these eddies. And all of a sudden, they will drop 100 feet. Oh. without warning oh, no, and thanks. then it goes back up again <laughs> and then it'll drop another 200 feet without warning and then back and forth it's like being on the drop of doom at disneyland Roller over coasters. and over and over again. yes thank goodness it's only a 15 minute flight but it's a <laughs> terrible flight it's like being a cork caught in a tidal wave no you know? no thanks <laughs> not a fun but you know at the end of that flight i crawled off the plane and there was David on the tarmac to meet me. You know, it was not, they hadn't imposed all the sanctions because of 9-11 yet in the United States. Mm. And he was a well-known doctor, so he could do that sort of thing. He came yep. to see. And, you know, he took me and we talked for hours. And at the end of the talk, he said, Dr. Leica, I, I would, I think history is repeating itself. And, and you know, because of that, David literally helped me and I was able to keep on practicing my medicine from 2003 to 2019 uh, when I walked away to do more things to help people. Um, so it was a wonderful career and I was able to do a lot of things. But, but along the way, when you go through something like this, Rick, you start to wonder and you wonder if you've really done the right things, mm. if you've really made a difference, if you've really helped people. So I started giving back to society even more than I was ever doing. And I started to support charities. And one of the charities I supported was the Women of Distinction Award by the YWCA. Yes. I became the main sponsor for that. You see in society, uh, women still are not given the kudos they need. So I thought this would be something that would be a very good thing to sponsor. So. I sponsored it, and one of the women that was running for one of the awards was a lady by the name of Harriet Tinka. Now, Harriet Tinka had a story very similar to mine, but quite different. You know, she was a world-class model, walking the runways of Milan and New York and, and things like that. And after a few years, she grew tired of that, so she decided to take up her second love, which was accounting. So she went to the University of Calgary, in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, mm -hmm. and she took a degree in accounting. 
while she was there, she was befriended by a very evil person that literally ended up kidnapping her, stabbing oh, wow. and leaving her for dead. Yeah. Now, Harriet was at the hospital that she was at, recovering, and she met a young girl by the name of Amber who was wheeling down the hallway in a wheelchair, happy as a lark. Now, Amber's story was that she had lost use of both of her legs and both of her parents in a tragic car accident. But she decided to live a fantastic life. And she told Harriet she needs to do that too and to use her story to get it out to everybody. So at this, at this meeting, Harriet said, Dr. Laika, I want to take you for lunch. And that's where we decided to write a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, where we wrote about these wonderful things that we found. And, and you know, Rick, we found 13 golden pearls that are deep down in every one of us. Golden pearls that really make a difference in people's lives. Now, Rick, in nature, do you know what forms a pearl? Do you know how a pearl forms? I'm aware of it, but I couldn't tell you the specific details. Yeah, well, what happens is literally a grain of sand gets inside of an oyster shell and it traumatizes the oyster so that the oyster walls it off with this beautiful material called luster. Now, golden pearls actually exist. They exist in the South Pacific, in Indonesia, and mm. the Philippines area. And they are so rare that a single solitary pearl costs upwards of $10,000. Now, the oyster is not traumatized by the, tra by the sand, but it uses to make something golden and beautiful. And that's what we sound in people, is that deep down inside of us, there are wonderful, beautiful things that, that make people and, and make them what they are and truly makes their lives better than it ever was. You just have to look inside and find them. Absolutely. Do you? What do you say for those people um, that get caught up in social media and watching the news too much? Is there is there a better way to live life in that regard? You know, I think social media is something that is, in this day and age, people get into it and it becomes their all-time existence. Mm. They get into this, this world that they don't need to be in. Uh, they worry about having hundreds of friends and they worry about uh, putting their face forward. I, I think people really have to think about themselves and how they can help people and how they can do things for people. I, I think some of the basic, basic things that really make people better and make people wonderful is just being grateful for the things they have. I think giving to others is a very important thing and doing small steps in your daily life really makes that so important and making the world a better place just one little step at a time Rick I think being caught up in this this uh this stuff of having too much is probably something that we we need to get away from you know, I think COVID was a good thing and it gave us a chance to press the pause button. It yes. gave us a chance to to uh, think about things in better ways than we were. Now, 
The My Future Business mantra is helpful people helping people. Your professional career has always been as a helpful person helping people. Now that you have uh, connected with uh, Harriet and you've written a book with her, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, you're continuing to help people. I'm wondering if you could share some of the pearls of wisdom that you've um, contained inside this book. Is that at all possible? I think the easiest way to do that is to read you a little story from the, the first chapter. In each chapter of this book, there is a little story. And, and I think there's, and there's also quotes from some of the world's um, authorities. So let me tell you a little story. It's called The Shoebox. There was once a three-year-old girl who was extremely happy. She, she was angelic and she had red curly hair. She was always singing and playing. She never walked, she skipped everywhere she went. The world was her oyster. From sunup to sundown, everyone who saw her had a smile on their face. One day, her father punished her for wasting a roll of gold wrapping paper. Money was tight, and he became infuriated because it appeared the daughter had wrapped shoe blossoms. Nevertheless, the little girl brought the gift to her father the next day, which was Christmas, and said, this is for you, Daddy. The man became even more angry when he confirmed the package was empty. When he unwrapped it, he yelled at her, don't you know that when you give someone a present, there's supposed to be something inside? Daddy, you're so silly, said the little girl. It's not empty at all. I blew kisses into the shoebox. They're all there for you, Dad. <laughs> Only a short time later, a tragic car accident took the life of the little girl. <sighs> her father kept the gold-wrapped shoebox by his bed for many years. And whenever he was discouraged, he would take out an imaginary kiss and remember the love of the child who had put it in there. When he closed his eyes, he could see his little girl. He could even hear her giggle and feel her on his lap. He actually felt her kisses and in his mind, felt that she still was there with him. Many years later, the man died of a broken heart. He went to heaven and St. Peter met him at the pearly gates. St. Peter said, to enter, you must give me something very valuable. I can't let you in without it. The old man gave St. Peter the most important thing he owned, the empty shoebox. St. Peter smiled and said, enter my friend. You have given me the gift of everlasting love, the most valuable gift of all. And inside he was reunited with his precious little daughter. She smiled at him and gave him a real kiss. I missed you, said the old man. Why, daddy, asked the little girl. I never left you. When I died, God made me into an angel. And when you opened the shoebox to get a kiss, I gave you one. I giggled in your ear. I sat on your lap. I will always be with you. I will always be your little girl. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so very much for sharing that. It's just such a wonderful story. And you just tugged at all sorts of different heartstrings in along that way. Uh, being a father, you know, you stop and you think, you know, life is way too short, way too precious for us to um, overlook these small, seemingly insignificant things, isn't it? 
do you how do you go about your day when you think of life like that? Well, you know, I think everybody wants to make their business better. Everybody wants to make their life better. But, you know, I'd like everybody to question whether they live to work or whether they work to live. And I, I think that's an important distinction that people need to bring about. What, what at the end of the day is it that you want to achieve? I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's, you won't want to say you spent more time at the office. You, know, you spent more time doing all those things. I think it's the living aspect that must be emphasized. Yeah, that's wonderful insight. Thank you so very much for sharing uh, that sage feedback. Now, um, I know that you have a lot going on on your website. You, you're a speaker. You have a free book. You obviously have all of your other books. What are people likely to experience when they get to your website? And what is your website, please? You know, my website is com. That's D R. L-L-A-L-L-E-N, Leica, L-Y-C-K-A.com. And if everybody would like to get a free copy of my book, a free digital copy, all they have to do is go to the following uh, little URL. URL. It's 13, as in 13 golden pearls, 13gpnow.ca, 13gpnow.ca because that can get you the golden pearls in the book so that you can read it and share it with your friends. Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you so very much. Now, uh, if you are on this call today and you're wanting that, I'm going to be making sure that the links back to all of the URLs that we've just spoken about are made available to you. Uh, and if you go to Dr. Alan Leica, again, that's D-R-A-L-L-E-N-L-Y-C-K-A.com, um, you will see his speaking arrangements. You will get access to his free book. There is his podcast, which I'd like to talk about briefly. You'll have events, blog, press room, and so many other ways for you to contact Dr. Leica. Now, just share with us very briefly a little bit about your podcast and where people can find that. Yes, every week on my podcast, I have a new exciting guest that will help you to understand even more things about yourself and help you to get a better understanding of life. It's called How to Live a Fantastic Life. You can get it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, or you can get it on webtalkradio.net. And it's it's a, a very nice little podcast that you can find out different things in your life. We would love you to follow us on it. Absolutely. Make sure you do follow it. And finally, uh, Dr. Leica, where are people going to get uh, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life? Is it only through that uh, website or would they find it on it, Amazon? Or? It's actually on my website as well. You can get it or you can get it every place a good book is sold. There you go. That's way too easy. <laughs> Thank you so very much for sharing that. Now, uh, again, if you're on this call today, what a fantastic conversation we've just had. We're just lifting the lid on this very deep topic. There's a, a great deal of information awaiting you in this book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. And with that all being said, Dr. Leica, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you very much for having me, Rick Nursey. And it, it was really a lot of fun. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. 
And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.